0: Good morning, good morning. Breakfast today is sponsored by David E. in honor of all the Rabbanim, Hazaku Baruch. Sponsored by Robert Yadgarov as well, Mazal tov Mabruk to Nicolo and Haya Nurafshan on the birth of their baby girl, Mabruk. And sponsored by Morris, mystery and loving memory of his mother, Lilunishmat, Nishmat, Hava Bat, Zakir, Alea Hashalom. To sponsor a class, please get in touch with us or email uh, us at rabbifarhi at ejsny.org. Hazak Baruch. Hashem says to Moshe, Emor ed speak to the Kohanim, B'nei Aaron, the sons of Aaron, and say to them, L'nefesh lo yitama That they have an obligation to not contaminate themselves, to not become tameh be'amav amongst the people. Now, there's a certain group of people, a list, a short list, if you will, of people whom a person is allowed to become tameh to. As it carries on, it says, to his mother, his father, his son, daughter, to his brother, certain people that a Kohen is allowed to become tameh for. As well, an example where the Kohen is allowed to become tameh is for a met mitzvah. If he's traveling along the road, he sees a dead body on the side of the road. It's a tremendous, tremendous uh, lack of kavod for a body to be just strewn there, left to rot outside. So a person has an obligation there to be able to go and bury. However, other than those cases, met mitzvah, or uh, someone who's not going to be buried, or one of the uh, close people that are close to him that the pasuk enumerates, a person has, a Kohen has an obligation to remain pristine and pure. But the question is, what is this tum'ah? Why is something like this considered by the Torah to be tameh? Why is a person who's passed away... In fact, even as an example, if you have someone who's a big sadiq, and he passes away. Still, the halakha is, kohen is not allowed to become. It doesn't say his mother, his father, and the big sadiq. His mother, his father, and his rabbi. It doesn't say that. So why is it, why is it that there's a that there's a tumah which uh, which is associated with uh, a dead body that a kohen needs to uh, needs to stay away from? So like everything else that we try and learn together here, there's an idea which. Uh, resonates not just with regards to the subject matter itself but from the subject matter we learn a Torah vantage point or, uh, or a paradigm that we can as well bring uh, within, inside us to our lives. I remember once I mentioned it before I was at a funeral for someone that was 104 years old. Right? A long time to live, thank God. Passed away completely lucid you know, children, grandchildren, she's very, very old, she's ready to go. I remember something strange at the funeral. Nobody was crying. Now That's a strange thing to be having a funeral, nobody. And why was nobody crying? Because she was 104 years old. She lived a beautiful life. She had children and grandchildren, everything was there. Everything she could have wanted to do, she did. She didn't suffer, right? However, I remember a few days after that, unfortunately, there was a terrible story in the community in London of a young child that passed away. Everybody in the community turned out, whether you knew him or you didn't know the guy. Everybody in the room was crying. Why? The answer is really, really simple. The biggest tragedy about death is not that the person uh, uh, is not the person who didn't is is die uh, di- died. It's not, the biggest tragedy of death is not death. The biggest tragedy of death is not living. Is not having the opportunity to be able to achieve or to fulfill that which you came to this world in order to do. That's the tragedy of dying. That you went too soon. That you went before you had. Well, you left with unfinished business. The concept. That a person's 104 years old. Okay, I mean, it's said we're going to miss them, no question, and that's a very sad thing. But it's that the death is not a, as much of a tragedy. Rabbi this concept speaks very deeply to the idea of tumah. The Sefarim tell us that the reason why a dead body is Tamer is specifically, by the way, halachically, a Jewish cemetery. If it's a non-Jewish cemetery, there's no tumah. Interesting. Why? And the Sefarim write unbelievable. That the nefesh Hayyudi, the soul and the, the, char- the charge of a Jewish person's life is to be able to obtain a tremendous amount of kiddushah. If the tragedy of death is unfulfilled potential, then when we're talking about someone who had a chance to be able to fulfill 613 mitzvot, They had a chance with such ease to be able to do mitzvah. And I think sometimes we forget how easy it is. We focus on the many difficult mitzvah. But if you think, thank you Hashem for my eyes. Mitzvah. Unbelievable. You don't even have to move. You don't have to move your lips. You think to yourself, you know, you think to yourself words of Torah, a pasuk. Shema Yisrael Unbelievable mitzvah. There's mitzvah that you could do lying in your bed. There's mitzvah that you could do when you go to the bathroom. There's mitzvah that you could do when you eat food. There's mitzvot that you can do when you go to shul. It's so easy to be able to do these wonderful mitzvot that connect a person with God, that elevate themselves and their souls on a spiritual level, that allow them to be able to develop as human beings and to earn Be'ezat Hashem as well, a portion in Ulam Abad in the world to come. There's so much that we have the opportunity to do. So every second is something. They saw the Vilna on right before he passed away. He was crying on his deathbed. And they said to him, you know, you lived a life, it was full of Torah, full of mitzvot. The Vilna Gaon had a tremendous life. Unbelievable kibud ava'em, like you can't believe. He was, as a young child, they didn't have food at home. So he came home every day and he told his mother that he was eating in school. That way there would be a little bit more food for his siblings and for his parents. As a little boy, until they caught him out in this lie. These were the Gaon's averot, you understand? This is unbelievable. So they said to him, why are you crying? You're going from here to a world, there's a tremendous olam abba waiting for you. He says, what are you talking about? He holds on to the tzisit that he was wearing. He says, look over here what I could buy with a couple of pennies. In just a few minutes, he says, I'm going to go to a place where even if I would pay anything in the world, I can't get one more mitzvah. Look at this world. Look at the opportunities that we have. So therefore, the nature of a, of a, of a human of a human being, of a body of someone that's commanded in all these mitzvot who passes away, there's a vacuum, and in the vacuum of Kiddushah appears Tum'ah. So therefore the nature of Tum'ah is the absence of Kiddushah. That's why it applies to a nefesh, to a soul of a UD, who's obligated themselves to do not just seven mitzvot that are societal, but rather mitzvot in every second of every day of his life. If that's true, Rabba we begin to understand the nature of a Kohen. The Kohen was set aside from all the Jewish people. Uh, not, uh, Levi doesn't have this obligation. Israel doesn't have an obligation. The holiest Israel doesn't have the obligation not to go to a funeral of a friend. Only a Kohen. So that means a Kohen who's barely religious has a greater obligation than the biggest Sadik was Israel. Why? Because the Kohen's job was to be able to promote and to develop and to fix the problems that people might have with the connection with God. That's all about a person's spiritual state. So in order to be able to drive this point home, the Kohen is not allowed in any way to interact with something which is the absence of Kiddushah, which is the absence of achieving. In fact, we know that there's an obligation at, the, at every single morning to wash our hands, to wash the the Tidat Yadayim. We wash one, two, three, four, five, six. Why do we have that obligation to wash? One of the reasons is because when a person sleeps, the Gemara says that there's a 60th of death. One 60th of death visits the, guy, visits the person. In the morning that he wakes up, he is impure. He's been touched by an element of death. He needs to wash his hands to purify himself. But the question is, in what way can you compare sleep to death? There's the opposite of one another. Sleep is this period where a person goes through to be able to rejuvenate, to get more strength, to be able to then go and achieve the next day. Death, the person doesn't get up from that death until uh, Mashiach, until T'chiat And it's not restorative, is it? And the answer, Rabbi tai, is so powerful. In those moments when the person is, is unconscious or subconscious, when they're out cold and they're not achieving anything at all, they have the same status as a person who's dead. Isn't that fascinating? Rabbi we learn from here that the Torah is teaching us that the concept of life in Judaism is activity, is being active, to go and do something. You're sitting there relaxing, reading a newspaper, you may as well be dead. What are are we doing here? What were we we put in this world for? Why were we dropped into this place where there's some great challenges? Not everything in life is so easy. Why are we put here? How can we have to struggle every day? Well, what's the point? The point is to be able to achieve, to do deeds and things that will outlive even the time that you're here on earth. What a wonderful thing that is when you can look back at someone who's passed away and there's a mark that they've left. So what is that mark? That's the question that's being posed to us. The Kohanim, in promoting a closer connection with God, need to teach the people stay as far away from this, this new, this element, this concept, which is a person who doesn't do, who doesn't achieve. That was what we are here to do. Adam le amal yulad, a person was born to work. So I'd like to maybe make one, one or two practical suggestions if that's okay. If this is the nature of life, the nature of life is to achieve. You know what's interesting? The more a person achieves on autopilot, the less, the less difficulty they experience in doing that thing. The more you learn to do something by rote, eventually you could do it by heart. You know, you came to start praying. Maybe you didn't pray your whole life, but you started to pray. In the beginning, you had to read each word. Now, even if you get distracted for one second, you look outside. after <speaking> it, <in Spanish> you don't need to look in the book. because <speaking in Spanish> you know it by heart. When a person is doing something by heart, then they're not fully engaged in the mitzvah. So it's important for a person, therefore, if they want to experience the taste of life, to constantly be doing new things, to be looking to be on the, on the lookout for new and interesting mitzvot. There was a beautiful chain that went out uh, on WhatsApp that I was just sent last week that said, you know, you have all these people in the community, they unable to marry, either to get married or to marry off their children. They need the money to be able to do it. And what happens? People keep going to the same 5, 10, 15, 20 rich people in the community to ask for the money for 10000 for 15000 for $25,000 to help someone get married. Rabbi Otay, this fellow, I don't know what his last, David something, I have it in my, in my uh, WhatsApps, he sent down a message saying, we want to sign up a thousand people in the first round. And any a wedding comes, we'll uh, tap your account for $26. And instead of having only the wealthy people helping someone get married, where eventually the well runs dry or they decide they don't want to give anymore, here, so many people get involved in doing the mitzvah. What a beautiful thing that is. The maximum we'll ever take out of your account is a hundred dollars a month in one month. So the max you could pay, you know, is is twelve hundred dollars in the entire year. Is that beautiful? That you could be making almost easily. You could be making multiple weddings a month, be having a portion in that mitzvah. I remember once someone called me for a beautiful mitzvah that I had never achieved. I was so excited because you know what? A mitzvah like that doesn't come around often. What are you going to do? What can you What can you achieve? That's new. The, we say in our prayers, God, every day, He's mechadesh Bituvo. He does new kindnesses with us. Brings us back to life. So what are we going to bring new into our world, into our existence? You know, a lot of times a person thinks, I'm so busy with the mitzvot that I have, how can I take on anything else? I'm barely keeping up with my core responsibilities. And the answer is that that's true and it's not true. Our uh, neuroscientists tell us that when a person finds that their brain is getting a little bit sluggish, or they're not as sharp, or they're getting a little bit older, it's important what they recommend to do is uh, is work out or uh, make the brain, so to speak, struggle. Work on Sudoku puzzles, or uh, riddles, or whatever the case might be, or learn a new language, or pick up a guitar and teach yourself how to play an instrument, because when the brain is forced to learn new things, what happens? It gets, sh- it gets sharper, not just for that, but for everything else. Because you know what? Eventually the brain says, I don't need to be here. I could go to Miami Beach. I know everything this guy needs to do. Because he does the same thing all the time. When a person brings something new to the brain, what happens? It energizes all of the thought processes of the brain. Rabotai, the Nishama is not different. You bring the Nishama some new mitzvot, what happens? All of a sudden, all of the mitzvot that you do are fresher. Because the nishaman needs to be engaged to be able to bring that forward. May God bless us to have eyes that are constantly looking for new opportunities. Whether it's pidyon shivuim, when was the last time you were involved in spending some money to get someone redeemed from captivity? One of the biggest siddakot is the last time you gave money for that. You know, imagine, but, if there's a lobby to be able to get back people who were kidnapped in various countries, that might be a good thing to do. I'm just giving you silly examples of something that a person might not have experienced or achieved. When was the last time you found shilua haken, an opportunity to send away the mother bird before you take the eggs? There's a company in Israel today that sells you a square, like two, one foot by one foot, of real estate in Israel. Now what are you going to build on one foot by one foot? A house for an Oompa Loompa? No. The idea is that once you have land in Israel, Rabotai, then you could fulfill all of the mitzvot that are only applicable to someone who owns land in Israel. So what do they do? They plant, uh, you know, uh, vegetable gardens and orchards and your little square is there and then they fulfill on your behalf the mitzvot, netaravai, mitzvah of Orla, the mitzvah of Terumah, of taking ma'aser. You woke up yesterday and they took ma'aser on your fruits? In Israel, it's something that people do all the time. There's a beracha that they fulfill every time they sit, they cut up vegetables. They can make the beracha of turumah of maaser, of turumat maaser, wonderful mitzvot. So for a little bit of money or a little bit of effort, there's so many mitzvot that a person can achieve that take them off the beaten path. And once a person is off the beaten path, they start to think differently and they access an inner kiddushah, the kiddushah that we're talking about over here, the kiddushah, the holiness of activity. Baruch Adonai De'olam. Amen v'amen.